Ministries podcast. Alpha Ministries is a recovery church whose mission is to teach individuals and institutions to recognize and apply the gospel of grace, building stronger families and communities. Today's podcast is sponsored by TJB Web Media, a New Jersey SEO marketing and WordPress web design company for businesses, churches, and nonprofits. It's ranked number the number one company in Google for New Jersey SEO companies and New Jersey internet marketing, to name a few. Check out their information in our show notes. Today's podcast is part eight of the Walking Backwards series that John is teaching Sunday mornings at Church in the Woods. Without further delay, here's John. But he gives us the power to live that lifestyle. He, through his spirit, gives us the ability not only to know what's right, but to do it. Now, when we're walking backwards, there is always, always a challenge. And one of the greatest challenges is to understand why we're living in this world in the first place. So last week I introduced this idea of walking in love as a description of walking backwards. Walking in love. What does that mean? In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, he says, As beloved, dear children of God, Walk in love. If you're walking in love, you're going to be walking backwards. You're going to be walking in grace and truth rather than law and lies. You're going to be living a miraculous, supernatural lifestyle. That's what it takes to walk in love. Now, what I wanted to do today was try to define for you what that means to walk in love in a more practical way so that you get, a, you get a better understanding of what we're talking about here. And it'll also give you an understanding of why it takes supernatural power, the power of the Spirit to do it. Whenever I think about loving another person like Christ, whether it be in my own family, on a job, work, church, wherever, wherever whenever I think about loving another person, like Christ. I always think of Paul's command in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. And he breaks it down for us into three separate areas. If you're going to love someone like Christ, you are going to, first of all, warn them. He put it this way. Warn the unruly. Which is another way of saying confront those who are misbehaving or behaving dangerously or inappropriately. That's going to be loving. Why? Well, if you see someone getting ready to step off the curb and there's an onrushing truck coming and you warn them, you save their life. Why'd you do that? You love them. The second command he gives us there 
is to comfort, and I'll just use the King James, though I'll explain it later, comfort the feeble-minded. Well, what does feeble-minded mean? It means those who have a terrible time believing the gospel and knowing they're okay, and they are hurting. Comfort those people that are hurting. And the third command is to support those who are weak, particularly in the faith. So if you're going to love another person like Christ, you're going to learn to confront them, you're going to learn to comfort them, and you're going to learn to support them to be able to actually love them like Christ. I call that relational skills. And the reason I call them skills is because it's something you have to practice. It's something that doesn't come natural to you. Even though you're empowered by the Spirit to do this, it it still takes practice on your part to become skilled at warning them. Let's just take the first one as an example. He says, warn the unruly. That means you're going to have to learn to to confront those who are misbehaving without condemning them. Confront them without condemning them. How many of you know there's a fine line there? Hmm? Because a lot of people take correction as rejection. It's difficult to confront someone who is misbehaving without condemning them. And the biggest criterion for that is for you to do that ministry in love, motivated by the Spirit. Now, I'm not going to take the time to go through each one of these individually, but I want you to understand what's involved here in actually loving other people. When I say, and you've heard me say this over and over again, I sound like a broken record to myself, when I say the critical event is we love each other like Christ, we need to love one another, what I'm talking about is you need to warn those who are unruly, comfort those who are hurting, and support those who are weak. I'm not talking about some mystical kind of experience out there we call loving someone. I'm not talking about a romantic human love. I'm talking about the divine love of God being expressed through you to those who are misbehaving, those who are hurting, and those who are simply weak in the faith. So, when you hear me say, I want you to love one another like Christ, that's what I'm talking about. But let's break it down a little further. How do we actually warn those who are unruly? Paul gives us some insight on this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. He says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. What's he telling us here? When someone screws up, they misbehave. They're doing something that presents a danger to themselves or another person. You are called upon to restore them. You see, the purpose, the sole purpose of confronting them 
is the idea of restoring them. That's the sole purpose. So he says, if a man be overtaken in fault, you who are spiritual. Now this is a real important criteria here. You who are spiritual doesn't mean you who are religious. It means you who are led by the Spirit to confront them. Every day, I see a lot of people screw up. Did you know that? Besides myself. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it in everyday society life. Yeah, they're screwed up. Just try to drive on I-95 for a while. You'll see people screw up. Right? Every day, they screw up. Well, does that mean that I've got to go confront each one of those people? No, not at all. You have another choice besides going to confront them. Besides, obviously, gossiping about their screwing up. You have another choice. And that is to forgive them for screwing up because they don't know what they're doing. So you can either confront or you can forgive depending on what God tells you to do. Now, most of the people I see screw up, make a mistake, I simply choose to forgive them. Because the Spirit hasn't told me to go confront them and restore them. See, unless the Spirit tells you that, unless you're led by the Spirit, your confrontation will turn into condemnation. Did you know that? Yeah, you won't confront them to restore them. You'll confront them to condemn them. And you'll make matters worse. Let's take the idea of comforting others. There are a lot of people hurting. A lot of people suffering. Every day you see people around you suffering. Does that mean you need to go to them and comfort each one of them? No. The same thing is you can't. I mean, it's totally impossible for you to get around everybody who's hurting to try to comfort them. You who are led by the Spirit, comfort them. You who are led by the Spirit, support them in supporting the weak. I used to think of this primarily in terms of a group, several different classes of people. Okay, I used to think, well, who are those that need to be confronted? And I put them all in a group. You know, these are people that are misbehaving, right? And then I think of another group of people that are hurting. And I put them all in a group and say, these are the people that need to be comforted, right? And then I get another group of people that I identify as being weak in the faith. These are the people that need to be supported, right? I don't believe that's really what he's talking about here. I think he's talking about three aspects of loving the same person. You confront them as you're in the process of restoration. You comfort them. And finally, you support them. It's a process of restoration that's going to require all three. But all three of those 
talk about what it means to love somebody. So if you're going to love somebody like Christ, you're going to become skilled in these relational skills of confronting without condemning, comforting without enabling, and supporting without any strings attached. That's loving them like Christ. Now, I'd known that for some time, but I carried it a step further. Well, exactly how do we confront, comfort, and support? What's it going to take for us to actually confront someone in love? To actually comfort them with the comfort we ourselves have received from God? To support them who are weak in the faith? There's another set of skills it's going to take. I call them the personal skills. The personal skills define for us what receiving God's love for ourselves really is. The first skill is what I refer to as cognitive restructuring. It just means change the way you think. How are you thinking? First of all, about yourself. What are you thinking about yourself? And then secondly, about others, the ones you're going to love. You're going to have to change the way you think. Now, this is where it really gets backwards, okay? Because naturally in this world, there's going to be an abundance of evidence that tells you you're worthless. You're not loved. You're not important. An abundance of evidence around you every day that tells you that. But that's a lie. The lie is exposed by the truth. And that truth is you are loved and accepted. You are forgiven. You are important. Your life has meaning and purpose and you're adequate to fulfill that purpose. How do I know that? Because God said He made you by His love to be worthy. He joined you inseparably to His Son, Jesus. So that what's true of Jesus is true of you. Was Jesus worthy? Of course He was. And so are you. But not only that, every day you're going to have an abundant evidence of how worthless other people are. Now it's easier, of course, to focus on how worthless and screwed up other people are than on yourself. But nonetheless, you're going to look around you and you're going to see how worthless people really are. They act worthless. They talk worthless. And you're going to say to yourself, man, that person's worthless. Now you're going to have to change your thinking about that. Instead of seeing them, and I like this one particularly about supporting the weak, instead of seeing them as some kind of religious, supercharged Jesus freak, you're going to see them as a frightened little child trying to cover up their fear with religious behavior. In other words, it's going to change your perception of other people as well. 
You see, when you receive God's love for you, you receive His security for you, His significance for you, when you receive that, then you're able to identify it and give it to others. And so you not only see yourself differently, but you see others differently. Now in order to love them, of course, you're also going to have to manage your own emotions. You know that? Yeah. How many of you know that if you hang around people long enough, they're going to piss you off? Have you discovered that yet? They're going to let you down. They're not going to do what they said they would do. They're going to talk behind your back. I have on my wall at the house, I have a little plaque there, and I can't go through all of it, but it says, it's just a little plaque called Anyway. It's something to the effect, it's a whole like poem, it's something to the effect of, people are screwed up, love them anyhow. People will lie to you, love them anyhow. People will stab you in the back, love them anyhow. People will trash you in a heartbeat, throw you under the bus, love them anyhow. It goes on and on and on and on. See, when you're looking around, you're going to discover the truth that people are by nature selfish and self-centered and don't really care about you. Not at all. This is what tickles me so much about people who are, are caught up in approval addiction and getting other people to care about them. And they're always worried about what are other people thinking? Well, I can guarantee you 100%. They ain't thinking about you. They don't care about you. They ain't looking at you. They're thinking about their own stuff and what they're going to have to do to live and survive. So when you're loving other people like Christ, you're going to have to deal with those folks. You're going to have to deal with those folks out there, the one that God leads you to, that have that attitude of total selfishness. You're going to have to change your thinking about yourself and about them before you can love them. To manage your emotions, you're going to have to realize that their opinion of you means nothing. Absolutely nothing. Otherwise, you'll run around being offended the rest of your life by everybody out there. You're also going to have to check your motives here. Okay, in order to love another person like Christ, as we studied last week, you're going to have to look inside to see why you're doing what you're doing. Why you're saying what you're saying in relationship to others. You see, it's not just what you say. You can actually speak the truth, but have no love, and it doesn't do any good. None at all. You just make a noise. So, in order to love another person like Christ, you're going to have to confess to God that you're double motivated. Did you know that? Yeah, all of us are. Because we yet have that sin nature called the flesh, we are motivated constantly from the flesh in everything we do and say by fear, guilt, and pride. That comes from our flesh. That's natural. It's there. Everybody's got it. In order to deal with that, you're going to have to recognize that you are no longer that flesh. 
or what was produced by the old person you were, you are now a brand new person in Christ and are motivated by faith, hope, and love. Now when you recognize that, and you're honest with God about that, God is faithful, and He's just, He's fair, to send away your false motivation and to cleanse you from it so that you can actually love another person like Christ. Now all this I know sounds a little complicated, but this last thing I want to share with you is what kind of mellows it all out in my mind. In order to love other people like Christ, you're simply going to have to be empowered and enlightened by the Spirit of Christ. The Holy Spirit living inside of you is going to have to not only tell you what to do, when to do it, where to do it, how to do it, what to say, but He's also going to have to empower you to get the job done. Now here's the good news. That's what you're called to do. That's what the Spirit is working in you to do right now, to love other people like Christ. Right now, He's at work. He's working your own heart and mind to create in you the enlightenment you need and the power you need to be able to love another person like Christ. So that spiritual enlightenment that comes from the Spirit. You see, Jesus knew when He began the process with His those early disciples he met with in the upper room, he knew you were going to have problems in this world. He knew you were going to have a difficult time learning to walk in grace and truth. He knew that you couldn't do it by yourself. He knew that you could not fulfill his new command to love one another like he does on your own. And so he gave this tremendous promise to his disciples. He said... I'm going to send to you another comforter that I've been. Even the Spirit of truth. For He's been with you and He shall be in you. So right now, in each one of you, you have the potential, the Spirit of truth, working in you to be able to love other people like Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. This is not a religious thing. It's not something... Uh, you do religiously. It's a heart thing. When the Spirit causes you to receive the love of God, you're overflowing with His love. And that overflow spills out to other people in ways you're not even consciously aware of. So you're not in this by yourself. And I want you to think that that you just have to go out and love other people. No. That's not the case at all. You are in this with Christ. With Jesus. He is with you. Through His Spirit. In every relationship you have. In every encounter you have. Jesus is right there with you. To lead you. To guide you into all truth. To empower you. To remind you. So it's a privilege that God has given us to love, other like, love others like Christ. It's a privilege for us to walk in love as dear, beloved children of God. It's not only 
our destiny, not only our calling, <clears throat> but it's a privilege that's satisfying like nothing else in this world. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father God, I come into you, your presence right now thanking you for this privilege you've given us to be Christ to each other. Father, I thank you for the obvious privilege we have of hearing your Spirit working in us, changing our mind, changing our emotions, and giving us the power we need to love other people. Father, thank you for that. It's amazing. And as we go forth here today, Father, I'd ask you to continue to lead us, to open our eyes to those who are around us, to give us the eyes of your son Jesus, to be able to see past all the facades, all the nonsense out there, to, to see past that, to see what you're concerned about, loving one another. We ask, Father, that you would continue to do this now as only you can do through your spirit. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you all for being here. Go and love one another. Thank you again for listening. If you want more access to Alpha Ministries teaching, you can like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and visit our website. All times and dates for services and other events are on our website listed in the show notes.